one. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in once again to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. I am Chris Kane. I got my man Armando on the pod today. Armando, what's up, man? How are you, Chris? Dude, it's I'm good to catch happy. up. We haven't caught up in a minute, and I'm super happy to have you on because I remember the last time we spoke, you were a super positive dude. And I, I, like, I remember people's energies more than I remember their life. And I remember you always being very like positive and very upbeat. And so when I saw you, I said, man, I got to reach back out and get this guy on the pod, man. <laughs> so we talked with in a pre-show meeting about creating, creativity and all of that. So give us a little background of what you think art is and what you feel about creation, because we're creating a podcast right now. Right. Kind of that. I think, so first and foremost, let, let me let me kind of step back and zoom out for a second. Okay. Creative... One of my values is creator. I have three words that embody what my values are. Okay. And that is love, light, and creator. Mm. And I want to zoom in for a second into creator. And I realize that I am operating at my best when I get to create more. And I am not an artist per se. Uh, at the very least, I am not an artist by, by, by trade that that's what I do for a living. Right. I, I'm a physical therapist. I, I'm a, I like to say I'm a, I'm a legacy coach mm. and my wife and I've been, we have our business for over 15 years, helping people eliminate pain and optimize their life. Right. So awesome. that's one way that I get to create, I get to create new realities for people. I need to. I get to create a life where somebody had a lot of pain and was restricted and I wasn't able to help them out. Mm-hmm. Where this ties in is that um, I found something really fascinating, which was in 2020, when the world was all in disarray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I look back and I created more art than ever before. Now, let me define what I mean by art. When I'm saying art, I'm using it very loosely. Uh, I am not using it. I'm using it. I was writing haikus every single day. By the way, this is not something I started it in 2020 as just as a way of providing constraints. And we'll talk about constraints and the power that they have in creativity, but uh, to provide constraints and to provide a structure to try to express myself. I write every single day. Some of it, the world gets to see. Some of it is just for me. Yeah. I make a video every day. Some of it, the world gets to see. Some of it is just for me. Um, I took on in, um, in 2020, I, I don't know why, but I decided that I was going to start drawing a wolf on, a, on an index card, a three by five index card. And I wanted to do it for one year. Not the same wolf, but a wolf. That's the... Like there has to be a wolf somewhere in there. Okay. And that taught me a whole bunch. And I did that for an entire year without missing a day. I drew and I have actually, wait, let me show you. I have books for each month. Oh, that's awesome. Of these wolves that I drew. And so I have 12 books. Good wolves, man. I saw like... I saw, I saw, I saw the, the shading in there. I was like, this guy's going all in. I like it. Yeah. So, um, so I, I did the drawings. I did the haikus. I did the writing. I did the, and it has nothing to do with work. 
But what it does allow me to do is to train my brain to create. Yes. And one of the things that becomes infinitely apparent is we have the ability to create our reality by our thoughts, by our words, and by our actions. Absolutely. And this is a way of expanding and training that the same way we would train in a gym to strengthen our muscles or train uh, to hit baseballs or train to hit up tennis. That's what I'm doing. I'm putting in the reps in different angles so that I can create a more vibrant picture of the reality that I want to create for my life. Right. Does that make sense? It does make great. Listen, you're right. You're right on brand right now. So <laughs> you're like, you're like throwing 95 down the middle. This is like, this is good stuff. So based on what you just said, what is the reality that you hope to create, right? These are all, you said, these are swings. It's like, if you are shooting threes, you want to be a prolific three point shooter, right? So what is it as your reality goes that you want to create for you, your family, and I guess for your clientele, people you want yeah. to it's funny because what comes to mind is what's the question that I ask myself every day? Mm-hmm. And that is, how can I powerfully serve you? How can I powerfully serve someone? Right. So that in and of itself is part of the reality I want to create is how can I powerfully serve someone in whatever aspect of their life? So if a person needs something to eat, well, is there a way that I can provide that? Is there a way that I can teach them something? Is there a way that I can give them a resource that doesn't keep them hungry? Like it, it feeds them. If somebody, um, I just got off a call with, with, a, with, a, with a young man. I say young man, I'm 40 now. So I kind of feel like I can say that about some youngins, right? Um, so th- this kid just got out of, uh, he just got out of uh, high school and is taking a gap year, but he really wants to go down and study coaching. And so he started already. He started taking some certifications and he had me on one of his, on his podcasts. And I was blown away. This kid is in high school and he had me on a podcast. So to me, when I saw that he had this interest, my immediate thing is, is, Hey, how can I support you? And we found a place where he was unclear. I just like maybe two hours ago, hopped off a call to help give him a, something that he thought was going to take him six to eight hours. I said, would you be open for it to taking less? And he's like, yeah, of course. I said, okay. By the end of the call in less than an hour, he had more than he had expected that he could even get in six hours. Right. It's just, what are the distinctions? How can you serve somebody so that you can, you can create that powerful shift in their mind. And now you can create a powerful shift in the reality they can create. Does that make sense? Yeah. Listen, you're you're right on it, and I, I you you make a you hit, you, hit, you hit a lot of points. So I'm trying to like unpack them in pieces because you're when you get in your bag, you're really like <laughs> you're giving out nuggets. So I want to back it up a little bit. The idea of how can I powerfully serve somebody is such a powerful thing. Um, I've been introduced to the concept recently of um, servant leadership. Hmm. It's a, a concept I've been introduced to, and it really is. For me to be a good leader, to be an effective leader, I have to serve the people I'm trying to lead, right? As opposed to, I guess, maybe the archaic thought of I'm out front swashbuckling or whatever, and y'all are just, you know, on my coattails. It's like, right. a, like people don't really want to follow a leader they don't feel cares about their interests, but you can only care about somebody if you're investing that person. So it means you have to get on their level, figure out where they are to take them to a higher place. 
So you said that that's where my mind went immediately is like, if you didn't sit with him and talk to him, you wouldn't know where he had blind spots. You wouldn't know how to take him out of the blind spots. But if he, so that's, that's that initial part. Also shout out to your, your, I can't say protege, but to the young guy in high school doing big things in high school, I was, so congratulations to him for doing that. So do you, do you have other people that you mentor? Do you have other people that you are taking like under your wing or is this kind of like people can just kind of solicit to you to do this? You know, I'm pretty generous mm. in the sense that like, like I, I, I feel like it's part of the connection that I want to establish. Like I get value from having conversations from people sure. and, uh, and just to be clear, he's not a protege. He, mm. he, he, he had his own podcast. I wanted to talk about, um, he was looking for people to talk about health and how to eliminate pain. Sure. And so I, he invited me onto his podcast after that conversation, we kept the conversation going after that. Yeah. And I realized, hey, this kid, first of all, again, like you said, in high school, and he's already doing this. My head wasn't in that space no. when I was in high school. No. And so to me, that stood out. Right. But the simple fact that in less than an hour, I was able to provide a level of clarity that would save him maybe days, if not weeks, of him getting out of his own head to taking action is huge for me because it, it now, it now puts another person who genuinely cares about serving others out on the field to start working with people, mm -hmm. not perfectly, no, of course not. but working authentically and working from a, from a place of service, right? Like with a genuine heart to serve. And that is important to me. I think it's important to society at large. If you want to like make a really general thing, we, I think we, what 2020 taught me, because we got into this a little bit before, is how disconnected a lot of people have become. Because mm. for a number of reasons, technology, busy lifestyle, you know, people feel like they're in a rut. So when you're in a rut, you're not trying to connect to the world. You're like just kind of stuck, right? And then 2020 happened and it turned the whole world on the axis. And so you had to either adapt or kind of get left behind. That's really just the way that the year went. And you took 2020 and you dug deeper into your art. You got deeper into, I can't say self-help. It really is just self-enrichment, if I guess you want to say that. And that leads to enriching others because as you enrich yourself, you want to pass it along. You don't want to say, I built myself up. Let me hold on to it. <laughs> you say, I built right. myself up. Let me give it out. And so it's, it's, it's taken a lot of people 2020 to realize, wow, I didn't realize how disconnected I became mm. to a lot of things and what people were being put out into the world. We were taking them through school saying, go get a job nine to five, go live your life. And in 40, 50 years, you can retire. We were sending people out on that factory. Just that's kind of what the thing was. And now it's like, wait a minute, is that what life is? I had a lot of adults older than you coming to me saying, dude, I'm 48, I'm 50. What have I done? I have an okay job, maybe I have a house. You know, wife's mm, kind of happy. <laughs> She's happy sometimes. And it's like, but what is that? What's the benefit to that? I don't feel like I can make an impact on the world. And so when someone wants to make an impact and they want to change the status quo, especially when they're young and they can be cultivated and kind of shepherded towards that, 
I think there's very few things more powerful for the future of society and the future of the world than to have as many well-intentioned soldiers kind of on the front lines. Yeah. And look, and to your point, um, 2020, you know, the, the, way, the way I express it with, with a lot of my clients is that 2020 was an amplifier of mm-hmm. what was already there. Mm-hmm. So the stuff that you were doing well gets amplified, but the inefficiencies, the cracks also become amplified. Mm-hmm. And what happened is that the cracks, as they got more and more amplified, now things start following through the cracks. Now things started crumbling. Yeah. And, you know, we don't know what we don't know until something like this happens. Right. Like, it taught me a lot about, oh, man, we were able to survive this. But, like, what steps did we take prior to that that actually allowed us to have a firm footing when so many didn't? Right. It, there was a lot of reflection there because we had our best year ever in 2020. Um, but it wasn't intentional if like i don't want to make it seem like i knew the answers beforehand no it just happened to be that we had done some work in the previous years that provided a foundation that when 2020 hit our ability to adapt and remain agile while still growing was was in place um if it stayed like that for a long period of time, I don't know if it would still hold up. Like if we were like that for three years, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a trickle down effect, right? Because people have to hire me. Right. If all those people are out of a job at some point, they'll stop hiring me. So th- there's a point where that will break down right. and it's being grateful for the work you've done, but also looking forward and say, okay, look, we survived this one, but what's the work that we really need to be looking at for the next one? You know, a lot of a lot of trainers in this in this day and age said, hey, you know what? Um, I got to move. I got to move online. That's the answer. And yes and no, because what happens if a month from now or a year from now or five years from now, something happens and all the Internet goes down? You don't have access now. So like for me, it made me realize and say, "Okay, wait, both of these are are critical having an in-person having online presence and then it made me think like where else am i not looking that i should be looking to create some sort of stability and create a more firm uh let's just say chair to sit on so (laughs) that if one of those get knocked out i I still have enough (laughs) legs to stand on yeah (laughs) you have a chair on one leg it's like it's still (laughs) it's still Uh, (laughs) holding You know, you make a, you make a, like your point, if I can like whittle it down, it's basically preparation, right? Like you said, the work you put in prior to 2020 allowed 2020 to be a great year. You guys prepared, you set an infrastructure, you had, I'm sure a clientele base. I'm sure you had a a mission statement, a philosophy in your business that allowed you, that carried you through 2020. And also I'm sure your customer service is at a high level where when people, even when the world was kind of crazy, we're like, we can't take that part of our life we can you know cut some other stuff out but that's essential to how my life operates so i have to keep you like you become essential to people's lives where in our field sometimes people think of us as non-essential like oh yeah i can i can i can work it on my own i can i can fix it he armando taught me some stuff i got it now but once you ascend to a certain place you become 
essential in people's lives where they prioritize you over other stuff that people think are maybe more important. So the preparation pre-2020 got you to excel in 2020. Where we go 2021 on, who knows, but it's going to be the same thing. It's like finding trends, setting your plumb line, like, you know, putting some acorns away if you're doing the squirrel analogy like you can't spend all the money you make even though it's like oh i got money it's like wait a minute put that aside you may need that at some point those little steps allow you to succeed and so people like you i had a good 2020 as well people in the pod know that and um other people in the world who had a good 2020 a lot of people made a lot of money in 2020 a lot of people started businesses that flourished and did a lot of creative stuff but no one did it haphazardly they, they, weren't, they didn't just throw some at the board and say, all right, that worked. Like there was a, a whole rollout to make those things work. And they had to find the audience and they found a niche in the market and they hit it. And that's why things kind of worked out. Right. right. Um, I actually, I, I wanted to pull it back for a second and, and talk a little bit about that creative process. Because I know that you're a creative, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I admire the work that you do because it's so far removed, but I I love the mental dexterity that it takes to be able to see an everyday object or an everyday experience it and completely flip it on his head that most people would miss until you bring it up. And then it's like, oh yeah, that's what makes it funny, right? Like that's what, so um, the reason I wanted to go back to this is it goes back to the statement that I was saying earlier about when you create, what you're doing is you are training, you're putting in the reps of building that resistance and that strength to create and adapt as life goes by. And whether it's drawing, whether it's painting, whether it's poetry, whether it's music, I, I started learning how to play the guitar Nice. I, I have no musical like background at all. Um, and if you hear me play, you'd probably confirm that I have no musical background at all. But you know John what? Mayer yet? <laughs> no John Mayer yet. Uh-huh. Um, but I will tell you that the process of being a beginner again, the process of like, oh, this is how you do it. Oh, my hands are getting used to this. What used to be like, I remember at the beginning, like my hands, my fingers couldn't move independently. They're like, ah. <laughs> and then now it's like, oh, okay, yeah, they move a little better. Yeah. And then I hit, you know, the next phase in my my learning, and it's like the fingers go back to the same, yeah. you know. And I'm like, okay, redo it, yeah. So embrace the beginner phase because it allows you to see the world in a completely different in a different world. Uh, you know, when you be when you take on the role of the beginner again it opens your eyes to things you didn't see because when you're good at something, you forget that it's difficult for other people. In fact, you, you almost lose the value for yourself. You're like, Oh no, that's not a big deal. If you look at when people are really good at something, it often is the thing that they value the least because it comes so easy to them. Whereas everyone from the outside is like, dude, this is amazing. And they're like, Oh no, whatever, you know, this is, Nah, it's just this, you know, they don't, they don't give it because they don't have to mentally work the same way for it. It just, right. it's what they want to do and they easily do it. Have you found that? Like, have you seen how yeah. like 
people who are gifted in some area sometimes don't even value it because it comes so easy to them? Yeah, like I wanted to, I'll answer that and then I'll go back to your point about uh, creating for like, making the creation process new. I know, you know, some people who are in the comedy world, acting world, whatever, and they can, they do things like emoting wise and they have different takes and their brain makes it all fine tuned way quicker than like a beginner. Like there are comedy classes. I don't recommend anybody take a comedy class. I don't want anybody funny who's gone through a comedy class. Either you, I think you either have it or you don't. But what they teach you is to set up the formation and then a punchline of a joke. That's kind of what they're doing. So like every joke has the same basic formula, but people who are really good just mold, they just make it flow so well, you don't feel the parts of the joke. But if you make a joke too rigid, then it's not funny. So that's why I don't really agree with the classes. But those people, if you're like, all right, so you're gonna set up this and this, and then when you get on stage, you hear the choppiness of it. But when someone is really funny, the way they naturally tell a story is that format. But they don't think of it as the parts that lead into the story. So they're just a funny storyteller. And they're like, man, if you tell great stories, but you don't realize that they did all the things you learned in the class, it just is imbuing in them, right? And so when you mentioned the getting into something new, like you're doing a guitar thing. I never was a virtual guy before all this. I never did virtual podcasts. I never did a virtual comedy show. We have our 12th one this Friday and it's my birthday show. So I'm very, very happy about it. But <laughs> um, because the format of online comedy is different and in person, I had to adjust how I tell jokes because they don't go the same. There's a mini mm. lag and timing in comedy is tantamount. Right. If you say it off a little bit, if you stammer a word, the whole joke is ruined. Right. right. So because this format doesn't allow for it to feel as though I'm looking at you, hey, sir, are you married? Yeah, this is my wife. Oh, she doesn't like like in real life. It flows easily. I can feel energy. It's there. So online, I started telling former stories about things I've gone through and stories work better in this format than set up punchlines because people are invested in the story. And so they can just sit and almost watch like a movie or a TV show on their screen as opposed to, hey, what's the deal with airline food, right? You get on the plane, they give you the peanuts and the people are just like, what happened? Like it's, it doesn't hit as well. So <laughs> you mentioned the haiku thing earlier and which is amazing to me. I don't write haikus as a normal way of being, but I do have a story about a haiku way back in college where okay. I worked in the gym in college, right? And we had a dance instructor who was very beautiful, very sassy. That was her thing. She's always <laughs> like, she was very small. She would walk around like, mm. that was her thing. She was always very sassy. And I thought she was cute and I wanted to talk to her. But she saw me as the brutish football, you know, workout dude. But she was like, oh, you're just a jock. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm more than a jock. Actually, I'm a very good student. But she didn't know that. She just thought I was a jock. And... I started flexing with no background. I just was lying. I was like, listen, don't think just because I look big and fine that I don't write poetry. It's <laughs> <laughs> a long time ago. Just go with me. Just because I'm big and fine don't mean I don't write jokes and don't mean I don't write poetry. She's like, you write poetry? And I was like, yeah, I, I even write haikus. I never written haiku in my whole life. I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> never, I didn't even know what the format was. I was like, I write haikus. Just because I heard the word earlier, like, that's a cool word. And she was like, you write haikus? I'm like, yeah, not only will I write one, I'll write one for you. And she was like, cool, do it by next class, which is two days away. And I was like, two days? All right, give me like a week. Like just, you know, I got a lot of stuff on my plate. 
And so I had to go through the format, learn. I did a 575, did the whole thing. And she had a dance class. She said, come to the class and read it. So I came to her class full of women. It's like 50 women, all wearing like, it's like wow. Zoom and stuff. And I got on one knee just because I was being ridiculous. And I read this haiku to her. And then when I finished like the last line, I threw the paper in the air and let it just kind of float away from me. Like it was just too hot. I just couldn't hold the paper anymore. And her class was like, woo, girl, you better lock him down. And it was a whole, <laughs> it was so stupid. Then I took the Zumba class just to show that I didn't have any kind of like, you know, my cheese mode type thing. I was like, you know, I'll take the class. I'm in the back doing all this stuff. It was a whole thing, dude. Like the ladies loved it. She, she was like, I'm very impressed. It was a very good haiku. I haven't written one since. That was a one-off. One-off? It was just. And it sounds like it paid off. It didn't. It didn't. <laughs> but that's a story for off podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very good setup to a story. And you were like. Got it. No. Got it. Okay. All right. All right. I didn't work out that way. But yes, that's when, when you started talking to me, think that's a story I can tell like on our virtual show that I wouldn't tell on stage because on stage will probably take too long and there's not enough like comedy in it, but on a format like this, it's entertaining, yeah. which right, right. resonates. So no, that's great. And actually, now that you brought up the haiku, I, I want to talk about constraints for a second. Okay. Because I find that constraints provide one of the most or one of the best environments for creativity. Mm-hmm. Most people think that having everything at your disposal is the best way to create. And right. in fact, it's the opposite. It's the too many options option and yeah. it becomes overwhelming, right. which is why when I started drawing, I specifically made it on a three by five index card. Cause I said, you know, even as in depth as it can get, it's three by five. There's only a certain amount of space that I can put in there. Sure. So the time doesn't, it's not going to require as much time as, if I'm talking about a massive, right. you know, uh, canvas or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, the haikus, the reason I chose that is because I liked the five, seven, five. Uh, if, if you guys don't, if you guys don't know what a haiku is, basically it's three lines. First line has five syllables. Second line has seven syllables. And the last one has five syllables. And so the idea is, okay, well, how do I talk about something in that kind of a format with those kind of constraints that can possibly elicit an emotion or paint a picture for somebody? Right. And to me, that was a wonder, like, I love that challenge. And I've done some that were, I think were fantastic. I'll be yeah. honest. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I've done some that were not great, yeah. but, but I don't, there were some that I was like, man, this one, like, that people were like, wow, no, no, this one really spoke to me. And that's the beautiful thing about it is you never know where the, whoever's gonna read it, where they are in their life and what it is that, what may not be relevant right now, you read it a year from now, and all of a sudden it's like, ooh, yes, in a short condensed yeah. 575, you hit the nail on the head, right? And it's like, ooh, okay, I like that. I, 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 it's a way of expressing something that is in me right now. And then I started getting 
again, just to challenge myself, just to, to play around with it. One of the guys that, that really fascinates me is this guy, Harry Mack. Have you heard him? You see, you see, Oh, he's a, he's a freestyle rapper that, that he'll just, he'll, he'll just start rapping and he'll call out, he'll ask you, Hey, give me three words and he'll incorporate it in the rap, but it's not like he rushes to it. It's not like he rushes to that word. It's like he'll build around that word. He'll say the word in the rap and then he'll continue to build from it. It's not like, so it, it, it is, it is watching truly a master create on the fly. That level of creativity and, and ability to be agile with your thoughts in such a quick pace is fascinating to me. So then I started, occasionally I'd post up and I'd say, hey, I, you know, and in my mind, I'm thinking, like, I'm imagining this guy freestyle rapping. So I'm thinking, man, is there something that I can do just to engage people? Like, like put it on a, on a, like on a live like that, have people pop up. And they just give me words and like on the board or something, I'm creating haikus live, just okay. riffing off of that. You know, I decided to take a little bit of baby steps on that. <laughs> and so I started asking people, hey, give me two words and I'll try to entertain, inter- intertwine them in some way, shape or form. And it was a cool, it was a cool experience. Obviously, I started getting people that gave me like, like a 10 syllable word. I'm like, all right, dude, like you, you just, I, I and I, and I played with it. I gave yeah. different options. They weren't great because right. it, the word really had no bi- business being in there because of the structure of it. See, I but I it. didn't let it stop me. Like, dude, discombobulate. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, <laughs> just, give, just give me a regular word to you. <laughs> right. So, I, you know, I wasn't specific. So in the right. future, maybe I'll say, hey, five syllables or less. Give me, give me two words. Right. So it gives me a little room to play. Yeah. Uh, listen, so. the, whole, the whole creation process is amazing. One of the things that, so you did your freestyle haikus back in the day. And I'm talking like, Oh, three, Oh, four, Oh five. I used to write a lot. I would write in between classes. Like I or sometimes in class, if I thought I knew the subject well enough on the board, I would just pull out like a composition book and write. And I was writing sketches before the internet sketch age became a thing. And then I stopped for like, you know, 10 years. Life happened, high school, college, real life, you know. And when 2020 happened, I went back to writing. I decided I wanted to write like a couple couple scripts and I had no idea what the format was. So I did the like, you just, I was like, all right, I wanna write a story. I had a couple story ideas where I thought the story was strong, but and I wrote one story out, 48 pages. I was very, I was committed to it. And I had people read it and it's a really good, it's a well-told story, but it's not even remotely close to the format that a script should be, <laughs> not even a little bit. So okay. like, so when I had regular people read it who don't know scripts, they're like, yo, this is amazing. You wrote this? I'm like, yeah. And then people who read scripts were like, um, so where's your B-side and C-side story? I was like, I don't even know what you just said to me. It's like, <laughs> it's like, there has to be a story that intertwines with the main story and all that kind of stuff. I had never, I didn't even know. I wrote a script in like, it took me like two weeks, wrote it. And I thought it was good. And it was like, when I saw what the structure was, I realized the script was complete trash because it wasn't in the right format. So like the structure parameter thing you mentioned brings me to this. Once I had to put things in that structure, once I knew what the stories were, the A side, B side, whatever story, then it made writing a lot more simplistic. 
I just have to develop those elements. I need these three, A, B, C. If I know what those are, then it's just about, you know, how the actual scenes flow. Scripts are actually very formulaic. That's why most movies seem kind of redundant. Right. Like the, the idea might be original, but the way it flows is the same. Every cop show has the same structure. Every hospital show has the same structure. So it's just about how good the actors are for you to be like, oh man, I love ER more than house. It's really just, it's the actors, but they are structured a certain way. And so that's why some of the same writing teams end up doing a bunch of stuff. Cause they've like, I've already written a hospital show. I can write for ABC or NBC. It doesn't matter. It's the same format, but that structure gives you some flexibility in how you bring the characters out. But ultimately you're stuck in that box so how do you make the most of that box is really what determines a good script from a bad script, just like a good haiku from a bad haiku, just like a good freestyle rapper from a bad one. It's like, yes, you need the structure to guide you, but within that, you can do some Tarantino type stuff where you're like moving all right. around and you can do some amazing storytelling or it can just be bland and unoriginal, but fit the script. Right. So it's an interesting uh, thought process. Yeah. And again, you, you just brought it up right there when you said Tarantino, because he follows it. But, you know, it's kind of like you got to master master the box before you break it apart. Right. Like master it and enjoy it, because there's so much that you can do within there that hasn't been done. And it and again, this is just training and it applies to life, because as you continue to train your mind to think in a different way or even within constraints, Life is about constraints. Think about, hey, you only have X amount of time to do this before you got to go pick up the kids or before you got to go do this. Like yeah. you're filled with constraints your entire life. So why not train your brain to look at constraints as a source of freedom, not a source of mm. restriction? That's a bar. Like if I, if I had an audience, they would have started applauding. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there was... I read a book recently um, called Switch on Your Brain. Um, and it's an interesting book. It's mostly about the brain's neuroplasticity. Like the, the idea that your brain is continuously growing. We had this thought, and I remember being a kid being taught, you learn your habits and whatever as a kid, and then your life becomes kind of what you learn your first five or seven years or whatever. But the research apparently shows that the brain is still malleable well into your adulthood, and you can kind of do whatever you want to do with it. It's harder. Because you oh, have yeah. more, you're, it's almost like a kid can learn any language at like one or two years old because they don't know as many words. So you can teach them a different language and they know that as like a first language. Like, oh, I can learn French as an American kid if you teach me French at six months. But if I'm seven and I've been speaking English for seven years, it's hard to learn French because that's to like bump out some of those English words and replace There's them more resistance. Yeah. There's more resistance against it. Yeah, exactly. So as you get older, your brain is still malleable. You can still adjust. You can still change. And it's the growth mindset brain versus the fixed mindset. And if you think your brain is fixed, oh, this is just who I am. This is how I was raised. Uh, I'm, I'm from this group of people. I'm like, I'm, I'm African, so we do this. I'm Italian, so we do this. And if you're locked in, then your brain won't grow. It won't change. It is what it is. But if you see that as an opportunity, as a springboard to expand it, like, listen, this is how I've been. But that just means I have so much more I can grow into. That's freedom because you think, man, Imagine someone who's not good at math becoming like a math professor or a scientist because I just apply myself to math like wholeheartedly and right. just get the concepts of it. That's amazing that I've 
went from zero to becoming like an expert in math or music or what have you. Like there's some bonds in music, we know that. But if you play the guitar every day for 10 years, I imagine you will be a better guitar player than most people playing the guitar. Because you exactly. just said you put more work in. There's the, you know, the people who can play with their teeth and, you know, we don't have to get into Jimi Hendrix type people. Those are yeah. unicorns. But the guy at the coffee shop playing, like who plays once every week and then works a 50 hour work week. If you're playing every day, you can be better than that guy sooner than later. Right. You're, putting, you're putting the work in. So yes, there's constraints and yes, there's structure, but our brains are limitless. Our capacity is limitless if you believe that it is. And that's freedom if you think, I can really do whatever I want to do. <laughs> like if you just let that go, like, dude, I can, I can be a good guitar player. I can be a good singer. I mean, I can't sing, but <laughs> I can sing a little bit. It really is a cool thought to just let your brain grow and let it do what it does. And I think, I think that that's an important part is the judgment part of saying, when you say good, what yeah. do you really mean? Because for a fact, if you start something new and you stick with it, you will become better. Does that mean that you're going to have the talent and the development to be able to be like, there's only one Tom Brady. Right. You know, there's only one Michael Jordan. Right. There's only one LeBron. There's only one, you know, like when you look at these guys who excel, these are guys who not only had a talent and a capacity, but put in the work right. to make it even that much more to, to like skyrocket past everyone else. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about. No. We're talking about, hey, can you grow from this? So, yes, I agree with you. If I continue playing this for 10 years, this guitar, I'm pointing here because the guitar is right next to me. <laughs> if I put, if I, if I, yeah, it's right here with that nobody can see, uh, then, then I will become better yeah. than I was. If I draw, look, I have 12 books to prove it. My say. first drawing of a wolf compared to my last drawing of a wolf, night and day difference. After I finished the 12th book, I was like, I was going to stop. I wasn't going to continue. And I said, you know what? I actually really like the idea of, I'm going to say forcing myself in the sense of I have a commitment to draw every single day. So now I, I'm taking on elephants. Ooh. Elephants are my favorite animal. So, but what's, what I find fascinating is that from the first elephant I drew, it was better than the first wolf I ever drew. Right. I felt like I had a better idea of the, the depth of the proportions right. of all of a sudden my skill set was starting at a completely different level, even though it was a new subject. Yeah. Right. So I completely get it. I bet you feel, I, I mean, you tell me mm. if you haven't been actively working at telling jokes oh. or, or like working on, I don't know if that's the right word. I don't know if you like no, that. Right. But <laughs> I tell <laughs> jokes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like this guy like this is going to my next set just keep talking I'm like, <laughs> just write it down like, this one guy i might put it in this box it's like it's all right this whole <laughs> this whole five minute bit is coming together so <laughs> right but if you haven't done it in a while yeah you kind of have like fighters like ring rust to kind of get your brain to to get out there and start thinking the way you need to do and make those connections whereas if you've been moving all of a sudden you're making connections that Oh yeah, this connects to this, to this, to this, and all of a sudden you got that skit, you got that that five minute. Hundred percent. You type five. Type five. That's a real thing. There's a there's a, a a thought process of doing stuff dailies, right? It's like this is what your habits are. 
whatever you do daily becomes easier over time, right? There's a thing to it. Creatively, just like, and like, I've, I've, I don't play basketball well. That's never been my sport. I'm a football guy. But basketball guys always tell me, if you don't practice dribbling or shooting daily, the skill regresses. Like if you some shoot on Monday and then come back on Wednesday, you're going to be worse Monday than you were Wednesday than you were Monday. It's a thing. It's just because the elbow, the wrist flip, like all that stuff has to be just, you're just constantly hammering home. Comedy is very similar. When I did my first couple of shows virtually, I had comics on who hadn't performed in person since maybe January, February. My first virtual show wasn't until like August of last year. So it was like a six month gap for a lot of people. And I knew them as in-person comedians because I booked them for previous shows and that kind of stuff. And they came on, I knew them to be funny. And then when they got to the virtual format, I could tell the ones who had been writing or, you know, doing some version of comedy and the ones who had just put the pad down and started watching TV and stuff, because you can tell they didn't remember even old bits they had written. And mm. like they would start telling a joke that I'd heard in real life. And it would be like, um, yeah, so, um, so I, I could just see that the, the, the gears weren't all firing at the same time. And the ones who had been performing, who maybe had been on podcasts or maybe have a radio show, what have you, they were flowing. It's like, man, this COVID stuff is crazy. Let me tell you something about my husband. About, and they were just like, whoo. They were like, it was all <laughs> systems go. And they would tell me, I talked to them after the show and they were like, dude, I'm sorry. I haven't performed in, you know, like three, four months. And I didn't think it would be, I would be that rusty. I wrote the joke. I should remember it. I'm like, right. it is your joke. This is based on your life, but because you haven't performed it, it yeah. becomes a diminished version of what it could be. And so you're right. It is a thing. Like I do podcasts all the time. I also have another anime podcast where we joke around and then I do my own show. I'm constantly thinking in a either comedic or expressive state. Right. So my podcast- the reps. <laughs> <laughs> so the podcast has gotten better since 2020 began because we started doing this version of it. I used to do them in person with people and that's a whole different dynamic. I'm looking at you so we can have fill off each other. But then it would just be me in a room talking which is kind of uneventful. But when you have someone else's energy on and everyone has different backgrounds, your background is this, my previous guest is a dancer. The one before that is a artist, like he is an artist. And so you guys are from three very different places. And so for me to have to like jump between the three of you, find through lines and then have a conversation built from it makes me a better potter because that's what it is. I have to be. So that's the practice thing. So you're, you're right about it. It's the, rep the repetitions matter. And it may be a compounding situation where you feel like you haven't changed for a long time. And then at a certain point, you just get that uptick. But you have to put the time in during that low phase to actually reap the rewards of the compounded effect of your work. There's a, there's something to be said about the exponential growth that when you look behind you, mm. it looks like a path behind you. When you look in front of you, it looks like a wall in front of you. Mm. And the, the problem is that too, too few people want to put in the groundwork to then be able to skyrocket up the wall. Yeah. They just see the wall and they stop. And they don't realize that that wall is not a wall to stop them, but it's a wall to propel them. And that's, that's, that that's where the magic happens when you start taking off like the bamboo, you know, the three years to grow those, those roots. And then boom, I think it grows something like a, a few inches or six, in, three to six inches a day or something mm -hmm. like that, or an hour or some, something ridiculous. Yeah, I, I know, I know the, um, not the parable, but I know the example you're making. 
where yeah. it's like, is it doing anything? Just trust me, it's doing it, it's doing it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's like, where'd all that come from? It's like, it's been on the ground. It's been yeah. like, they, they, someone said way smarter, maybe some like old parable was like, the work you do in the dark comes out in the light, basically. That kind mm. of that kind of thing. Love it. Right? So it's like all this, the preparation you're doing, like no one knows how hard you're working at the house other than in this format where you tell us what you do. They just know when you have a client and you're on, they know what you're doing in that moment. They don't know about all the research. They don't know about the continuing education. They don't know about all that stuff you're doing. But the more prep you play in the dark, when you get to the light and you get the opportunity, that's when you really show off what you can do. And right. the people who prepped, like the Tom Brady thing, like, listen, every player in the NFL is at an elite level because they're in the, they're in the NFL. Agreed. Right. There's, you know, 50 guys, 53 guys in every roster. Every college basically has a team. There's a lot of people who don't ever make it. For you to be a pro bowler is that one thing. To be an all pro is a different thing. To be a champion Hall of Famer is another, like, there's tears even in that. Right. And the people who, I don't, I haven't heard any Hall of Famers say, oh, yeah, I just kind of play football. Yeah. It was, I wanted, they all say, I wanted to be the best. And some fell short, right? Like, I'm sure... When Joe Montana retired, he thought he would retire and always be number one. And then someone took him. And maybe Mahomes in 20 years will be above. Who knows? But everyone thinks I'm going to be the best. And they put all that work in, all those practices, surgeries, injections, massage therapists, physical therapists. Like, yo, get me back in the game, coach. I can play. They do all that stuff, (laughs) hoping that they'll be the best at their given vocation. And that's what leads them to be elite. Yeah. You never see that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, look, it's the, look, I agree a hundred percent and I, I'll give you a personal, a personal anecdote because I, I think it's, it's, it's worth sharing. And it's this, um, one of the things that I love doing is running mm-hmm. and not just running, you know, casually, like I run ultra, di- ultra distances, like, right. you know, a hundred miles and above. That's awesome. So, one of the things that allowed me to do this was build up when I ran my first hundred miler, what people didn't see was I started three years before only, only doing 10 minutes, mm. three years before I did my first one. And I was like, Hey, I'm just going to do three minutes of activity. And then it could be working out. It could be calisthenics. It could be walking. Mm. And then after about a year of that, I said, what if, what would happen if I, if I could start running? And I put, well, what if I started running 30 minutes every day? Can I do that for 30 days? Mm. So I ran 30 minutes every single day. And when I finished that, I was like, oh, I feel good. Let's try it. Um, and I started doing it by week. So it was, I, I went a little to 35. And I said, well, I wonder how long I can sustain this. Mm. So what if, I, what if I increased it 15 minutes every five weeks? So I, the first five weeks, I did 30 minutes every day, then 45 then an hour, then 75 minutes, then 90 minutes. And I got all the way up to two hours every single day. That's crazy. It was something that I built up and then I ran a hundred miler and people were like, oh, you're so lucky that you could do that. I could never do that. I said, no, I started with 10 minutes three years ago. Yeah. And you can. And I built up for it. And you can do it, but are you progressing your way up to it? Nobody saw that. Right. You know, I've been running since that hundred miler I took four days off. I've been running 800 and I'm at like 860 some days. Wow. Since that hundred miler. And I haven't missed a day of running. 
since that hundred miler. So I took four days off. I took a break and then it started counting again. The streak started counting again. Cal Ripken out here, man. Yeah. 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 But you know what, you know what it, it has trickled down to my family. Hmm. My son who's 12 wanted to go out for the cross country team. Nice. That's a good time. And before, before he was even accepted into the school, I, I said, he told me, he was, look, I want to be a part of the cross country. I said, well, look, these guys have a top tier program. You can't expect to start training when you're there. Are you willing to start training now? He goes, yes. So we started. I said, we're not going to do anything hard. 10 minutes every single day, super easy. And we would do that. We would play. Some days it was like, get the football and we'd be running and throwing the football. Or get the Frisbee and we'd be running and throwing the Frisbee. Well, guess what? He hasn't missed a day since he started. He's 400 and some days. He's 12 years old. And uh, just for context, he made the, the cross-country team as a middle schooler. He was in sixth grade. He was the top sixth grader in the team. All the other ones were eighth graders. Mm-hmm. And he was in the top five of, of the team that won the state championship. So his first year doing sports... He went all the way to the state championship and won with his team. Because of the work he put in. Because, but what people don't see, they're like, oh, he's so lucky he has the genetics. I'm like, eh, maybe that, that, doesn't, that doesn't hurt. But you didn't see that he hasn't missed a day of work. He's been lifting three times a week. He's been stretching four times a week. And he does that every day without missing. Yeah. Right? So putting in the reps, setting yourself for that environment so that when the opportunity comes, you're ready. That's not when you're starting to get ready. It's not like, oh, put me in coach. Oh yeah, I gotta start training. That's what a lot of people do. It's like, like I think there's a thought of people, once I get the job, then I'll prep for the job. Oh uh, yeah. You prep long before you have it. So like <clears throat> my, um, my high school football career is kind of like your son's. Like I wasn't blessed like height wise or even at the time weight wise, I had glasses. I was a super nerd, but I wanted to play football. I played football growing up, like in the street and stuff. And I was always kind of fast and what have you, but that's way different than organized football. Never had pads on. Yeah. It's way different running when, when you got pads flopping on your shoulders, like it changes your whole mindset. And so my freshman year, I didn't play almost at all because everyone else had played middle school football, but I didn't. Uh-huh. So I just was playing in my neighborhood regular. Hey, I can move fast. And then they put a helmet on me and I was like a bobblehead. I was like, oh, <laughs> I can't stay upright. And so in practice, I think I had a big issue. I still had glasses. When I took them off, I was blind. There's a lot of stuff going on. And like one of the last games of the season, they threw me in. We were getting blown out by like 50 points. They threw me in a game. And a running back took a reverse. I was on the left side of the field. He took a reverse and was running right. So he's, you know, 50 yards away from me on this side of the field. And I ran at an angle and I tackled him like at the five yard line. We were down by 50 points. It was insignificant to whatever. But my coach saw it and said, you know what? Like, first of all, you're faster than I thought you were. Second of all, I like your effort because mm-hmm. everyone else on the play, like, we saw the film later on and we saw people just stop running at a certain point. Like, oh, we're getting blown now. He's gone. And you just see me like a little <laughs> missile. <laughs> this little guy was, <laughs> yeah, it was a good tackle. But what he said was, if you work in the offseason, you'll get some playing time next year. Because if you got you, – because speed is – speed you kind of have. There is a limit to how much – like Usain Bolt was fast and then he trained to make himself the fastest, but you're not going to go exactly. from slow to Usain. There, that is 
that's biomechanics. It's a whole different thing. So you naturally are pretty fast, but you just don't know how to like use your pads and stuff. So that whole off season, I was doing like two a day workouts. I was like doing stadium runs. And this is in Florida where it's 95 to hundred degrees and, oh, you, yeah. and you're just like catching. I'm just like, <sighs> you're just guzzling water and all this stuff. And the next season I was probably like 15 pounds heavier and I was a starter and I wow. started the whole season because he saw me once we came in for conditioning. He's like, he saw me, I had now shoulder pads and I was like, okay, this guy's in better shape now. And then I could actually use everything. But most of my friends took the summer to just chill out playing video right. games, what have you. I was out there working because <laughs> I wanted to be good. And I knew I had some work to make up. So when you told your son's story, it made me happy because I remember what it's like when you're like, oh man, I know I'm like the little kid out here, but I want to make it. Right. And right, there's a certain right. amount of work that goes into that. Certainly, man. Certainly. But so, look, man, we're going to wrap this up because this has been dope. Do you want to leave us with some parting wisdoms? Do you want to leave us with a haiku? Do you want to do a drawing on the spot? I'm just giving I'm throwing stuff out to the world. Here's 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 what I here's what I what I share is Don't be afraid. First of all, don't let judgment get in your way. Mm. Don't worry about being good. Just focus on being first, mm. right? And the way you can be is show up. Create, whether choose something right. that is going to stretch yourself and make it small enough that even on your worst day, you can still do it. In other words, don't set out to draw painting every single day when you know, you to have access to a canvas and paint and everything, that's probably not going to work. Right. But find something that you can do every day. Something small that even on your worst day, you can still do it. And if you can do that and string that together, I can guarantee you that will balloon into something bigger. Or at the very least, provide a platform and maintain a level of momentum. So when you want to pivot or go in another direction, mm. you're going to be able to, to do it with a lot less resistance because you've kept in motion. You know, what is a Newton's law? You know, body emotions tends to stay in motion unless yeah. something else acts upon it, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, what acts upon us most of the time is, is lack of clarity. We say, we, say, we say laziness, but the truth is it's lack of clarity. And that's really what, where the laziness comes in, is a lack of clarity of intention or purpose or vision. So if you have any... If you're if you don't have clarity in either one of those three, you're going to slow down. You're going to you're going to put on the brakes. And once the brakes are on, you know, the cobwebs start growing and it's hard to get it going. You know, it's, it's like hard to get it going. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, gain that clarity, create momentum, do something that you can do even on your worst day. And uh, you'll start creating some massive transformation. You start creating some art, man. That's. So that was awesome, man. Is there a place where people can find you to follow your work, to get inspiration? And maybe if they live in your area, even like, you know, possibly hire you where we can find you. Sure. Um, main hub for our business. If you know, if you suffer from chronic pain and you've seen doctors, chiropractors, and nobody's been able to do it, my wife and I have created a system to help eliminate chronic pain, both emotional and physical chronic pain. And uh, we can do that virtually or in person. Go to cruise, like C-R-U-Z, country.com. If you're interested in the, in, the, in the concept of legacy, 
I wrote a best-selling book called The Legacy Code. You can go to LegacyCodeBook.com. And if you want to see some of the creations, both haikus and drawings, you can follow me on Instagram, which I think it's A Cruz or A Cruz 3. I don't even look at it. I don't even know what my own handle is. That's, yeah, we should get that clear enough. <laughs> let's clear that up. Yeah, that's clear enough. We don't want people going to some other random dude's profile like, yo, uh, where's the haiku fam? <laughs> it's A Cruz 3. That's what it is. A-C-R-U-Z 3. So I would say those will be the three best places if you want to check out something, check it out. And and uh, if you're going to go check me out, uh, send me a message. Let me know that you heard this podcast and uh, and tell me what you got from it. That's awesome, man. Armando, this has been awesome. I think anyone who hears this is going to get something from this. There's too many nuggets in here to just be like, all right, cool, as a podcast. Uh, you, drop, you, you drop some seeds. I try to put a little fertilizer on it. It's all good. This has been dope. Thank you guys for tuning in. Once again, we come to you every Wednesday because that's what I committed to. Just like you said, baby steps. This is one of mine. I was very random about when I released podcasts. It'll be Monday, the next Thursday and Friday. So wait a minute. I gotta get some structure on my podcast. So I just made a declaration to the people. Wednesdays, they're coming out. That's just the rule. And that's what we've been sticking to. So you will hear this on an upcoming Wednesday. Tell your friends, retag, post, all that good stuff. We'll see you guys next time. Take care.